swing and a line drive left field. Benintendi coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did. He got it. Here we go. It's time to party right here. 3-2. High He crushed it. It's a grand slam. Swing and a miss. Strike three. It's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Welcome to Benny and the Bets podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a hot stove edition of the Benny and the Bets podcast. Tonight, we'll be talking about the very fluid Trevor Bauer situation. Uh, Some details kind of leaked on Twitter via John Heyman. We will get into the Blake Snell acquisition by the San Diego Padres and what it means to the Padres Dodgers rivalry. With me tonight uh, for the second show in a row, Jason Kelly, Andrew Dwan. How are you, gentlemen? What's going on, guys? Yeah, not doing too bad. As long as no more star athletes want to leave Boston, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> and some of you at least stay. Just some of you, please. Oh, I've never seen this many Hall of Famers leave in like three years. Oh. It, it's impressive that we've had this many to leave, but it sucks. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, how's Christmas? It was good. That was all right. Yeah. Yeah. Was it a normal Christmas or no? COVID Christmas? Yep. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of a COVID Christmas. Just me and the parents. That was it. Oh, so, okay. That's kept, a, it, kept it pretty simple. That's a normal Christmas, basically, for me. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's good. You guys didn't get a lump of coal or anything? Not this nope, year, no. Cut finger off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was the highlight of my Christmas night. <laughs> yeah, you said you caught an uh, artery or whatever in it. Yeah, apparently there's arteries there that I had no idea about. So yeah, learn something. New. All right. <laughs> I don't do well with blood, so let's change the subject. Um, <laughs> all right, which is a dead giveaway. I don't watch scary movies. Um, so anyway. Um, getting right into it, we'll start with Trevor Bauer. John Heyman uh, said on Twitter yesterday, which uh, for us is Tuesday at this point, that Bauer was looking for a deal in the five-year, $200 million a year range. So I'm not great at math, but I'm pretty sure that's $40 million a year. If a six-year gets added at that rate, that'd be a $240 million contract. It would make him the highest-paid annual salary player in Major League Baseball if that were to come to fruition. Uh, Jason, we'll lead off with you. Um, does that sound realistic and uh, if not, what seems like a realistic uh, contract structure for a team that will likely sign Trevor Bauer? Yeah, it doesn't sound very realistic to me. I think it's a pretty lofty goal for him, um, especially since because, you know, 
he was great last year and he's been great for about you know maybe a year and a half but it's not like this guy's been racking up Cy Young after Cy Young I mean sure he's he's a great pitcher he really is but you know it's he's sort of trying to bank off of just a year and a half of really good success and for him to be asking for such a lofty price uh, especially with you know the next season still being in doubt they still haven't really you know there's no confirmation that it's going to happen or that it, you know if it's going to be delayed when it will happen uh owners are crying poor as they always do in that sport but especially now um i just don't see who's going to give him 40 million a year for the next 5 or 6 years when again like the future of the sport is kind of in doubt right now um i could see him you know if he had come out and said he wanted like between 35 and 37 a year that's a little more realistic to me but like once you hit 40 once you try to become the the highest paid pitcher in terms of aav in the league uh i don't know it doesn't seem realistic to me i don't think he's going to end up getting that he's probably gonna have to get less or settle for less um maybe it was just he put it out there just to see how the market would react and then they'll do their their work from there but i don't see him getting 40 million from anybody Andrew, uh, what what are your expectations based on what you heard and what you believe will happen? I'm sure that's what he's asking for. And if he doesn't want to admit it publicly, he doesn't want to admit it publicly. But I definitely anticipate him getting at least 35. And the second someone offers him 36 and a dollar to be Cole's uh, AAV, he's going to take it because we know how spiteful of a person he is. So. I still think that the Angels are going to walk away with him. I would have thought the Mets would have been more in it, but I don't believe that they are at this point. And I'm not ruling out the Dodgers. Uh, I really can't with how much San Diego's done over the past week. So I think Artie Moreno, we know he's not shy uh, about handing out astronomical contracts. And I'm pretty sure Pujols comes uh, comes off the books pretty soon. So... I still think he's ending up in Anaheim. I think he's going to get five years. I think it's going to be about 35, 36. So let's see. That's what, 170-something on a five-year deal, I believe, at $35 million. 175? About R- that? Roughly, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that sounds kind of realistic. I, I might... I myself might put him, you know, in the thirty million a year, one fifty range. If it if it trickles up, you know, it could. You know, if two teams get into a bidding war, um, it's certainly possible. But I don't think he's going to get forty million a year. It, it no. certainly helps that he's like the only bona fide ace on the market right now. He uh, was really lucky that you know that's how it ended up. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I also agree that the angels are probably the team that will end up signing him. It's such a weird fan base because since winning the world series in 2002, they haven't done much. And in the past decade, they only got in in 2014 and then got bounced in three straight. I think that was by the Royals. And uh, it was the Royals uh, took him out. And so that's the only time they've made the playoffs. The only three games Mike Trout has ever played. 
So still doesn't have a playoff win in his career. And I think the pressure of the Mike Trout contract is starting to kind of weigh on the organization, the fans. And I think there's finally a sense of urgency, you know, from that fan base. We got to start winning. I think Mike Trout himself is sick of losing. And I think those mitigating factors are probably going to put a lot of pressure on Artie Moreno to, to get that deal done. Now, if Bauer ends up there, you know, I mean, he wants to win. You know, I, I he could get his contract and then immediately declare war on Moreno because the team's not good enough. You know, he didn't come here to lose. You know, you just know how unspoken it is. And, you know, realistically, that's not going to happen right away. But I can see uh, Bauer uh, getting fed up with that. But definitely, uh, I would say the Angels. I don't think the Mets are going to go after him. Uh, I think the Giants could be in play. That's a team that I think is, I don't know how well positioned they are. Um, You know, I mentioned the Tigers as a dark horse. They've got a lot of their prospects mostly up or or on the verge of coming up. And I think they're going to finally start being competitive. And maybe a signing like Bauer kind of helps them shift into that gear and make that splash and take that next big step. But so I'm not really sure where the Giants are in there, but, you know, I would expect them to be, you know, somewhat aggressive uh, at some point, whether whether Bauer ends up being a candidate or not. Jason, who are some teams you think? you? I think you mentioned the Angels. Who else outside of them would be in play? So I would actually love to see the Giants make a run at them. Uh, as you mentioned, the Giants are in a decent spot in the next couple of years because all those bad contracts that they took on are going to expire pretty soon. I think Cueto's up after next year. Samarja's up. Uh, Longoria, I think, has maybe a year plus left, and then he's done. So the Giants will have a lot of money to play around with, and I think they've got some decent young players. Um, I actually, as much as I can't stand them, I like Andrew's idea of the Dodgers taking a run at him as a sort of a response to San Diego and all the stuff they've done. I don't know if it makes sense for them to go out and, and give him a massive contract with everything they've got going on, but I would, I would love to see it just to spice up that NL West rivalry a little bit. Um, it's a shame the Mets aren't more in on him, but I just, I think you're right. I think they're kind of out. I don't think anyone in the American league really is positioned to grab him, uh, except for the angels. Like I don't see anyone else, in the AL, like Chicago's probably not going to do it. Uh, the Yankees aren't going to do it. Red Sox shouldn't do it, and they won't do it. Um, Toronto, maybe, but I, I don't think Toronto has the capital to do it. I think um, they're the only ones that could have the conversation with them. At the yeah, because Toronto has the other pieces, right? Toronto's got the young lineup with Bichette and all those guys, and if Bauer signs, he can at least look at the rotation and go, okay, Rue's here, um, you know, Robbie Ray is here. There's at least a little something there, but I think he's going to end up going either to the Dodgers or the Angels. It's, it, I think it's going to be one of the AL or the one of the LA teams. Yeah, it's such a weird off season where his agent can't play these teams off each other. He can't be like, well, you know, if you don't come to the table, the Red Sox are going to pay, the Yankees are going to pay, which you know Heyman's been able to do, or Heyman uh, Boris has been able to do uh, 
for years now. He's made a career out of it. And Rachel Luba's kind of just got to play LAs against each other now in a dick measuring contest. And like, do you want to have the spotlight? Do you want the celebrities at your game? Or do you want the celebrities come to our, uh, the Padres games this year? And I don't know how they're going to play it off each other, but it's going to be fun to watch. And I really hope we get some more, uh, some more teams leaked on it pretty soon. I think it would be great if the Dodgers were the team that was, you know, in play for Bauer. But as we were talking privately last night, I just, I don't see them as a fit. You know, if they want to keep Bellinger long-term, they're going to need money to do it. If they want to keep um, Bueller, they have, he's probably not even quite arbitration uh, yet. That's probably the year after this. Or, or maybe it's his first year. I, I don't have his, uh, his, um, you know, contract details in front of me. But, but they're going to have to commit to some some of their players currently on their roster, and they just won the World Series without Bauer. So I don't know that it's just extremely logical. I, I just see that they would probably enter the season with what they have. You know, Bueller. Uh, Kershaw at the top of their rotation. I don't know where Dustin May fits in, if he's still projected to be a starter long-term or a reliever, but he's got nasty stuff, and I'd love to see him stay in the rotation. Uh, Tony Gonsolin is going to have a a full spring training under his belt and, you know, will probably slot into the rotation. Julio Arias, uh, you know, has been used as a long relief type guy. Maybe he finally gets, you know, positioned to be a starter. And I just kind of see them going that route for now and then maybe addressing something at the deadline if if they feel that the Padres have a leg up on them. So I just, I just don't see that as an Andrew Friedman move. But go ahead. I guess you really tell us how they feel about um, Kershaw going forward as well. Because, I mean, he's still not crazy old, but he has thrown so many innings at this point. Regular season, postseason, and we've seen his velocity just dip and how he hasn't been extremely reliable health-wise over the last couple of years. So if they wanted a contingency plan, could be Trevor. Yeah, and I just looked at it. Bueller's arb one at the moment, oh, so they've still got three more years to play around <laughs> with him before they got to worry about signing him. So, I mean, you could sign Bauer to a four-year deal, and three of those four years, you still don't have to worry about paying Walker Bueller, who's probably going to turn into your next ace. Yeah. So, I mean, they're in kind of a nice spot to do it if they wanted to. But there is the Bellinger contract too that is looming pretty soon. You got, I think, three more years, two or three more years as well. Think, yeah, right. So, I mean, it's they do have those coming up. Yeah. Their, you know, second and third arbitration years, though, could be somewhat pricey. Um, oh, they'll be in the 20s. <laughs> they'll definitely yeah. be in the 20s. I think so, too. And they're, um, I, I don't know that they're necessarily worried about going over the luxury tax for a year or two, but their payroll is currently at $179 million. So, you know, just over $30 million to play with. So, 
you could conceivably, you know, get Bauer in there and maybe stay under it. You know, if you if you're at the thirty million a year mark, but you you know you add another year or so on, you know, maybe that gets it done. I I think we can all agree the market's going to come down from what Heyman said yesterday. You know, to some degree, uh, maybe not drastically, but um, but yeah, and. I had a tweet earlier. I don't know if the Cardinals, I, I mentioned them as a potential dark horse. Uh, Job uh, in the group chat mentioned he thought the Nationals could be in play. Um, you know, and the more I think about that, it does make a little bit of sense, you know, with, uh, excuse me, Scherzer coming off. And, you know, Scherzer could get like a Verlander type deal, you know, two years high salary, something like that to be added on but that's an organization that's a little erratic and you know kind of surprise you i don't think we we thought corbin would necessarily uh end up there and he did so um you know maybe a team like that uh you know can kind of enter the race um i'd love to see toronto do it and just one tidbit though if the mets do it that's more epic than you think because Bauer and Cole hate each other's guts. Uh, you know, they had the war of words over the um, spin rate thing, you know, doctoring the ball and whatnot, which was widely publicized. I guess they were on the same college team. Is that correct? I think you showed yeah, that. UCLA. And they didn't mm-hmm. like each other even then. <laughs> so... <laughs> So they don't like each other, and for them to be, you know, two aces in the same town, I think that could add a very interesting dynamic, you know, to the New York baseball landscape. I think DeGrom is still the ace of that staff. Bauer, you know, kind of falls in as the two, but but still, you know, Bauer's going to act like he's the ace and, and run his mouth and, you know, get under Cole's skin or whatnot. Uh, no, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was gonna say, you know, Bauer is gonna get the commercials too because he's got that personality. Yeah. So yeah. you know, the Yankees are gonna be like, shit. What? What? Why can't we market our ten-year, thirty-six million-dollar guy here? Yeah, that Mets team. If they if they do end up getting Bauer, and you got Bauer and Marcus Stroman on the same pitching staff, oh god, <laughs> talk about just the most insufferable back-to-back. Like, you gotta face Bauer and then Stroman the next day. Just two guys just spitting in your face while they strike you out. If Thor comes back healthy too, like Thor, like one in one A's. I mean, kind of boosting Stroman up a little bit there, but he actually, I was watching some clips of him today. He's working on some crazy stuff. Um, But that would be oh, good luck in the playoffs, (laughs) whoever's facing him. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they've had some good rotations in years past. That 2015 rotation, for instance, was really good. Um, But it just seems like they underperform. Like, maybe the rotation will be robust, but then the bullpen's just going to sink them or something. You know, it just seems like... It just seems like there's always something with that organization. But Syndergaard is kind of on the... (laughs) Chris Sale's schedule, you know, in terms of uh, his recovery from from Tommy John, I think he might have had his like two or three weeks before Sale. So, um, but you know, it'd be good for baseball if if that does happen. But uh, getting uh, into some other stuff here, uh, Blake Snell has been traded away from the Tampa Bay Rays and to the San Diego Padres. Um, 
I don't think we're surprised that he was traded, but there wasn't a lot of buzz at the time of the trade. Kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, Jason, so what were your thoughts on it? My first thought initially was I'm glad the Red Sox didn't try to do a trade like that of any kind because, man, uh, you know, what San Diego gave up to get him was a lot. I mean, that you know, when you really dive down to who those prospects are and who they could become, uh, that's four pretty good, solid prospects for a guy who, look, he, yeah, he's a Cy Young winner. That was how many years ago now? I mean, Blake Snell's Probably, 28. Yeah. You know, he's he's had some health issues in the past. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's a good trade for San Diego right now because they do have to rebound from last year, go for it again. You know, don't just settle back into, okay, you know, we're not going to, we're going to keep our prospects and, you know, stand pat. Like, no, no, there's a good player out there. San Diego's in a good position to go get him, and that's what they did. So I think it was smart for them. I'm just glad that they were the organization that did it, and it wasn't the Red Sox and, um, you know, so some of these other teams that can't really afford to give up prospects weren't just shipping them all away for Blake Snell. So I'm curious to see how he does out in the NL West. Um, he might actually be – better off he's in a bigger stadium he gets to beat up on the giants every now and then and um but against that dodger lineup i mean that's that's kind of a whole new monster for him too so uh we know he'll do five innings right yeah i know right so <laughs> I mean, and that's the other thing too yeah <laughs> is, is he gonna see the uh see the order to you know through two or three times to, through we don't know um so it's an interesting move i you know i'm not sure that he he doesn't automatically become like the ace over there i don't think um, because I don't, I don't really think he was the true ace even in Tampa. I think and Charlie Morton was performing better than him, you know, right before he got traded. So um, it's going to be interesting to see if he can stay healthy and if he can really sort of get back to that Cy Young form. Because his last two years were kind of underwhelming in Tampa, and he's getting into that sort of late twenties stage of his career now, where it's like, okay, you either prove you're the ace right now, or you're just kind of another piece. Andrew. Good for good for San Diego. Like hell of a move. It is crazy. They gave up a ton for him. The equivalency for the Red Sox, who have been Cassius Downs, um, and like three other guys in their top five, you know, player pool. And none of them were even top ten prospects for the for them, for the Padres. It's they still have a war chest. It's unbelievable. They've done a great job developing talent. Obviously, they've had some high picks that helped that's helped out, but I love that they're going for it. Um, I hope they can have fans in their crowd this year because they deserve it. Uh, they're just putting all their chips to the middle of the table. And I don't think it's gonna be that much pressure. It's San Diego, it's not LA. Uh, you know, it's a fun Saturday afternoon that event that they're gonna go to. They're gonna leave in the seventh inning, anyways. So I'm happy. I'm happy to see it. This has kind of been Tampa's MO. You get this ace and then you trade him. And they've done it several times now. Um, It sucks for their fans. It really does. I don't know what Stu's doing down there. If he's planning, I don't he's not going to get the funding for a new stadium there. I don't know if he still has his eyes on Montreal and splitting the season. Uh, it, it's it's really unfair. I would hate to be going through this as a fan base. Um, obviously, we went through the Mookie trade last year, but this is so much different. The guy's making $13 million a year. 
he was their only hope. And, you know, you go to a World Series last year and now you're battling the Orioles <laughs> for fifth place. It sucks. It really sucks for them. I will say this for Tampa, probably the only ace they regret sort of giving up was Price. Yeah. You know, Price actually went on to pitch pretty well. But like when they traded Matt Garza, we, everyone said the same thing. They're like, oh, I can't believe you're giving up on Garza. That guy's awesome. And then he went to Chicago and he sucked. Chris Archer, same thing. Chris Archer was great down in Tampa. Not quite an ace, but he was at least a solid number two. They mm-hmm. trade him. He's completely falling apart. So, you know, it. we'll see what happens with Snell. Is he going to be the Chris Archer route, or is he going to be more like David Price, where he goes on to the West and he pitches really well? We don't know. But um, you're right. It is Tampa's MO. They do this all the time. It's just a matter of will it actually work this time. Yeah, what if, what if they had to show for it? Because yeah. Garza was... He was Will Myers, right? I think that's what they got back. I think um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess Glass now, when he's on, he's on. When he's off, he's, he's really off. Yeah. Get hit someone in the crowd with one of those pitches. But, um, I mean, Austin Meadows was really the prize yeah, of the Archer trade. Yeah, he year. And then, I don't injuries and inconsistencies. Yeah. I don't know. I, we'll see what happens, but we, we know what's going to happen. One of them turns out to be a stud. He's going to be traded in four years, right? Pretty much. Gotta, hope, hope we have the prospects for Patino. <laughs> well, I thought you said, Andrew, though, on a, a previous show that you expected, you know, the Tampa rotation to have a lot of their young prospects up in the pitching rotation within a year or so. And, you know, perhaps they would be – you know, a competitive team again, you know, like for instance, I honestly, I'm not, I don't remember. I just, it's, it's just unfortunate to see what, what's happened to them. Even, even if you do have the young kids coming up, you need that veteran presence to show them how to be professional, how to go on the road, how to deal with the losing streak, how to bounce back, how to forget a horrible outing. You need some sort of veteran presence and you don't have to feel you, you don't want a guy to feel like, all right, I do good. And then they're just going to trade me. You don't see a second contract with them. Yeah. I mean, I, I think fans of any fan base would love to have a franchise player for a decade or so. And whether or not that was Blake Snell, you know, that's debatable, but when one comes up, they, they would like to, to, you know, have that player, um, the reason why I asked that was, you know, the season before last, the Indians trade Bauer and Kluber and I'm thinking, oh, geez, they're not going to be competitive for a while. And then they come roaring into this season with Bieber, Carrasco, Plesak, and probably one other pitcher that I'm forgetting. And they were robust. So I don't know if, if, you know, the Rays are going to have a, you know, a transition quite that quick or not. Uh, but yeah, I think they're young um, prospect pool is mainly offense, offense. offenses. Uh, okay. Yeah, K, who's both, but I, I think they're mo- ma- uh, mainly offensive guys. So I was going to ask if Blake Snell is going to be an ace outside of Tampa, and it, it sounds like you know Jason's a little more apprehensive about that, and, and Andrew, you're a little more optimistic. It sounded like for Snell. But here's some interesting uh, stats real quick. Um, Snell, 
Only once in his career has exceeded 130 innings. That was the Cy Young year. He pitched 180 innings. Uh, His next highest, uh, 2017, he pitched 129 innings. uh, Had an ERA of 4.04. He followed up his Cy Young year uh, in 2019 uh, very dismally, if that's a word. Uh, with a 429 uh, ERA and only 107 innings pitched. I think that was the season he stubbed his toe on something in his bathroom. It was a foot injury, and so he missed time. Yeah, with he, that. Like, he, he fell in the shower or something. Yeah. He, yeah. So that was the reason he. <laughs> I love those ones. <laughs> he pitched. I mean, maybe that's David Price Carpal Tunnel. You know, they had to come up with something. You know, maybe he was doing. Yeah. Maybe he wasn't wrestling wild pigs or whatever it was that Cespedes was doing and messed up his foot or whatever. Or, uh, uh, what's his name? Madison Bumgarner was racing ATVs out in Colorado on his off day. <laughs> but I think what happened there was Bumgarner was, was bull riding, you know, rodeo and then the dirt bike. Is that what it was? Well, I mean, he oh it God. came out last year that he he does rodeos under an assumed name, you know, so he doesn't get in trouble with the baseball team. And, uh, you know, so only then did I think back to the dirt bike incident and was like, was it really a dirt bike incident? You know, um, which is worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One way or the other, you know, he kind of he screwed his team that year. But um yeah. But anyway, you know, getting back to Snell, it's just it's been very up and down for him, even in Tampa. So I'm just kind of I'm kind of curious to to see what he does. Another thing that hasn't really been talked about, at least that I've seen, is, you know, Tampa's got a very good pitching program, whether Snell was consistent on it or not. I mean, they turn out good pitching and is if he gets into a rut out in San Diego, is Larry Rothschild going to be the guy who guides him out of it and reforms? Put my money on that. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well, so I'm just looking a little further into his numbers now and his splits are, they're a lot crazier than I thought. His away ERA is a full point and a half higher. His home is at two five and he's sitting at four on the road. And he only has, he has one more inning pitched on the road too, so that's a lot more surprising than I thought. I didn't think Tampa was giving that much of an advantage for him, but apparently it is. That's the other, a, that's a yeah. lot of that's a big difference. And the other thing, like because I was looking at his numbers too, and I just just for you know shits and giggles looked at his minor league numbers. So I was like, you know, how much of a beast was he in the minor? Because I knew he was a first round pick, mm-hmm. and he was not exactly like lighting it up. I mean, he had a a few decent seasons but he also had a few regression seasons too and i think that's why he didn't get called up to the majors till he was 23 like he he actually took a long time in the minors to finally get to a point where tampa felt comfortable calling him up and then his first couple of years you know like 2016 he, he was six and eight with an era in the three and a halfs 2017 the era was over four and then finally he struck gold in 2018 with the cy young year but if you take out that cy young year he's just kind of been below average a little bit since he got to the majors. So it's almost like there's flashes of brilliance there. And there's obviously talent that once he, you know, digs into it, he can become, you know, the best pitcher in the league, but otherwise he's just kind of Joe average. So 
I'm curious now with a new new scenery, new pitching coach, kind of a an ancient pitching coach, uh, quite frankly. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be curious to see. Like, are we going to get the 2018 Snell, or is you know Rothschild not going to be able to pull that out of him? And he's just he's just going to be this average three and a half ERA kind of guy. Yeah, good, not great. I think is the best way I could give my prediction. Yeah, yeah I just, I just wonder if, if Rothschild is just kind of to me. I just feel like he's a little too old, a little outdated, and you know, I'm good with older managers, but I just feel like pitching coaches more than any other coach on the staff have to be up to date with the most cutting edge analytics and, and trends and whatnot. And, and I just, I don't know if he's the guy, you know, he wasn't terrible in New York, but you know, their pitching has held them back for the better part of two decades. They won a world series in 2009, but they haven't had that stud rotation and they haven't really, you know, turned a, a guy who's a number four or five into a one or two like that never happened under Rothschild. So it's just, it's going to be curious to see what happens on paper. That looks like a great move by San Diego, but you know, when you dig into it, I just, I don't know if it's, if it's going to pan out the way they're expecting. Another thing that, uh, you know, I thought of is Snell wasn't great you know, in the playoffs, uh, you know, for most of the fall, I think he had one so-so start against New York, another bad start, or I should say appearances. Um, and, you know, he kind of walked the tightrope, you know, for most of it, and then wasn't great until that final game six of the World Series when, you know, controversially he was taken out you know, when the top of the order came through for the third time. And what I'm wondering here is, did that performance alone cost Tampa more prospect capital than it would have if he just went out there and gave up four runs and then got traded? I think that one start kind of shot Tampa uh well, excuse me, I guess it would have shot the uh, Padres in the foot because, you know, they had to give up a bigger haul. Because if you think of it, you know, Snell was the story of the World Series. Yeah, the Dodgers won their first one in 32 years, but all people were talking about was Kevin Cash and Blake Snell. So I just feel like that performance alone, you know, dramatically increased, you know, the trade for the Padres, they had to they had to give up a lot more than they would have. So and- yeah, it's almost like the uh, the mystique of you know shoulda woulda coulda that surrounded Blake Snell is it's almost like it tacked on an extra prospect. The yeah. San Diego went well, you know he was he was dealing, so hey, we got to give up <laughs> more. Whereas you're right, if they left him in and he got shelled in the next day and be like, no, nah, we'll give you two, we'll give you two prospects. That, you know, <laughs> it's the same guy who got his ass kicked in the World Series. Come on, <laughs> uh, suddenly yeah, taunt- he's never gone. More, he's never gone more than five and two thirds. I'm looking at his uh, game by game breakdown. He's done five and two thirds once, five and one third once, five innings twice, and then the rest in the fours. One in the threes, which that's uh, – might want to scrub that one. It looks like it was the first <laughs> one ever, but that, that's pretty brutal. <laughs> 
Yeah, I just, we'll see. You know, I'm not really a Blake Snell guy. I didn't like his comments before the start of the last season, you know, and even the Tampa, you know, fan base was really, um, you know, kind of killing him for saying that, you know, playing on the prorated salaries wasn't worth it. And, you know, whether he really meant to to say it that way or not, but uh, former co-host on this show, Liz Churchville lives in that area, you know, in Tampa. And she had, you know, sports talk radio on and, and they were killing Blake Snell. So, um, you know, hopefully they don't run into uh, issues like that uh, out in San Diego. Uh, another move that got made by the Padres was uh, acquiring you Darvish from the Cubs. Another move that looks good on paper, but they are getting a 35-year-old pitcher that uh, has had some durability issues. He did pitch pretty well in an abbreviated 2020, but you know, is he going to hold up for a full season? And you know, his playoff record is not stellar, you know, a couple bad starts, you know, kind of inflated his uh, ERA and, you know, maybe the cheating Astros might've had something to do with that as well. But, um, but I guess health is still a, a big concern and I don't know, Jason, your thoughts on the Darvish. Uh, yeah. Well, when I, when I looked, when I looked into the trade and, and I looked at, Darvish's numbers I couldn't believe when I looked at his age he's already 34 like I know he's been around but I I thought he was still at least in like the low 30s maybe 30 31 he's 34 and like sure he, he had a good year last year ERA just over two um went eight and three and you know like that's probably the best year he's had in Chicago um but yeah I mean the you know, it, it was a good trade because they didn't have to give up anything too great. I mean, they gave up Zach Davies and a couple of, I think, lower level prospects that, you know, they weren't as weren't quite as stellar as the, the Snell package. But I don't know. I, I feel like Darvish is going to be one of these. He's more of a back end of the rotation kind of guy now. Um, the, the injury concerns are still there. Their whole rotation is you can just slap a big sticker on it that says injury concerns now. Because it's you know Darvish, it's Snell still has him. Denelson LeMay can never stay healthy. Um, Chris Paddock's had injury concerns now. Like so, if, if it all comes together and they all stay healthy and they pitch to their highest caliber, they're going to be nasty. But if even one of these little issues crops up, then it could bring down the whole thing. So it was a smart trade because again, they didn't give up a ton for it. They get Victor Caratini out of it too. That's kind of a nice bonus as well. Um, and if Darvish pans out, then great. You, you made another good trade. But if he gets hurt and then the injuries start to pile up again, then you kind of load it up on injury-prone guys, and we're all going to sit here and go, well, what did you expect to happen? So it's it's a risky move, but you know, at the end of the day, um, they got another good pitcher in their rotation. If he stays healthy, they're going to be good. Andrew? Yeah, it was a lottery ticket move, and it was the lottery – ticket package uh you know this isn't going to help chicago out at all maybe they can move davies at the trade deadline and get some of that's within the next you know four years coming up but i i like it again um this is another great move they didn't give up a single top 10 prospect so these international free agents i love international free agents because you know they're exciting and it's 
you know, a scratch ticket and who doesn't like one of those, but there's no risk. They have Mackenzie Gore still, which is unbelievable that the number one prospect in baseball can't even crack the rotation. So if one of these guys does happen to go down for, you know, a week here, a week there, they have a hell of a spot starter and their depth should be great. And, you know, even if they don't get it this year, they have Clevenger coming back next year and they're plugging him into that rotation. And these guys, there's going to be a year. Well, not speaking to the pitchers because he's never want them a year older, but you know, you got um, Cronenworth and Tatis a year older, Myers a year older, and it's just more experience. So they have a two year window here where they gave up nothing to get a great shot at winning a world series. Yeah, I've never really been a big Hugh Darvish guy. Another thing with these Japanese pitchers is they tend to have a lot of mileage on their arms, you know, by the time they oh, get yeah. here. We we learned that the hard way with Dice K. I mean, he was 31 pitching like a 38-year-old, you know? And you see those stories like, yeah, he threw a 500-pitch no-hitter in an 18-inning doubleheader and then threw 300 more the next day. It's like, well, no! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, and even Tanaka isn't that old. I think he's 32, 33, and he just looks completely washed. I mean, he's a free agent. Uh, you know, who's talking about him right now? I haven't heard his name brought up at all. No. Yeah. yeah. So No, and, and a big part of that, too, is like Tanaka's elbow is still a ticking time bomb because he never got the procedure done. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he had the, the injections instead. Um, but yeah, so I just, I know I'm, I'm negative, you know, a lot and, you know, I'm the devil's advocate and to some people maybe just the devil, but, um, but yeah, so, I mean, if I'm a, like a hardcore Padres fan, I'm probably not in love with the rotation, but you know, it's the best they've had so far. Um, I might feel a little better if Rothschild wasn't the pitching coach. I, I just think there's potentially a perfect storm for that to just not pan out. But, uh, I, I hope I'm wrong because, you know, baseball could use a good rivalry. The Red Sox and Yankees, they're not going to have an intense rivalry for a while. You know, both teams are going in different directions. Um, you know, the, the Padres and the Dodgers are, are set up kind of for the long haul. You're going to have Fernando Tatis Jr. versus Mookie Betts for basically the entire decade. I, uh, I compared it to Williams DiMaggio earlier and all the old people on my Twitter account freaked out. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not going to be romantic, you know, of a, of a rivalry like that one was, but you know, it's going to be intense and, you know, San Diego and L.A. are in close proximity to each other. So, um, you know, it, it is a Southern California thing. And, um, you know, so ho hopefully for the sake of baseball, um, you know, everything works out, you know, OK for the, the Padres. They also, um, you know, in, in winning the winter in one day, um, they won the Haesong Kim sweepstakes, who is that power hitting uh, Korean kid last year in the Korean league. He hit, uh, I think it was right around 30 home runs. Maybe it was like 29 with a hundred. Oh, oh, he did hit 30. Yeah. With 109 runs batted in. So, 
Uh, we were talking about that on the YouTube channel last night, which people should check out. Um, I, I probably should have mentioned that at the start, but Brad and I were talking about him and, and yeah, it's the Korean league. Yeah. The pitching isn't good, but are they hitting juice baseballs over there? Because he will be over here. So, you know, one way or the other, you know, he's, he's gonna be a power hitting, you know, middle infielder. And, you know, kind of a sneaky move, um, you know, for the Padres, you know, in light of all the pitching upgrades they, they did in the same day, you know, and they're, they're infield right now from left to right. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to work out this way. You're going to have Machado at third, then Tatis, then Kim, and then you got Eric Hosmer, who um, is, is a gold glover. So pretty good infield. Yeah, and you know, unlike the the pitchers, sometimes a lot of these hitters that come over from Korea or Japan, like they actually they can hit in in MLB. I mean, we've seen it from who's that the the guy from Milwaukee, Keiston Hiora, who came over. Yes, like, he he can hit. Um, Sutsugo hasn't quite worked out in Tampa, but they still like his bat. They still think that he can turn into something. So there's been a lot of these guys coming over lately, and they're all hitting at the major league level. It's not as much of a risk as it is when you get one of these pitchers who, you know, might be like the Dice K who's throwing an 800 pitch, you know, warm up session before his starts. And they have to teach him not to do that. These guys know how to hit. So yeah, Kim could be really good for them. I mean, that could be like sneaky. It sort of, nobody was talking about it as much because it was right after the trade and, you know, right after they bolstered their rotation, but he could hit 30 bombs in the middle of their lineup. And I mean, him combined with like Machado and Tatis, you know, that's, that's pretty nasty. Yeah, I don't – I mean, I expect the power numbers to go down because we do see some of these guys that are washouts over in the States go over and hit like 55 like Eric Thames and that. But if he's playing second base, even if he gives you 17 to 20, that's a well above average for that position. Yep. It was great. He's going to be a Baseball America top 100 prospect. And, I, you know, I definitely wanted to see the Red Sox get him. Uh, I think he went somewhere where – he was going to be more comfortable with less pressure, and I don't blame him one bit for that. Um, I was actually more surprised it wasn't Toronto. I, everything I kept seeing was Toronto, 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 and I was like, damn, that's a good get for them. And, and now Toronto seems to kind of being, the you know, the they're, they're getting friend-zoned almost. <laughs> so many people. They're like going into this. It was like, oh my god! Well, they're gonna get Springer, and I was like, oh, the Mets are probably gonna get Springer. And it's like, well, all right. Then they're gonna get DJ LeMahieu. Well, <laughs> crap. <laughs> and then it was one of their uh, beat writers, like, all right, well, that's fine. They're gonna get um, Riamuto, and which that surprised me. Um, but I don't think he's going there. And I think Toronto expected to have a bigger splash to this offseason. And I think San Diego just poured a giant bucket of cold water on it. And I'm pretty happy that they did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Toronto, uh, you know, I I don't know. I I still think Toronto is going to be dangerous. And I think they still are the sleepers to to win the the division next year. Um, It is funny, though, that the Korean media – was so set on him going to Toronto. Like that's what all signs were, were pointing, you know, in the 11th hour. And then it's surprise San Diego. So, you know, the one time the Korean media, you know, was in the spotlight, 
You know, they botched it. <laughs> they botched it. I wonder how much it did have to do with that report we saw where um, he was haggling over if he could be sent to the minors or not. Because I know they sent down like Teoscar Hernandez for a bit, and they have sent guys down uh, to get right. And he might not want to mess with that. And that was probably the case of the Red Sox, too, because I, you know, they're not going to want to mess around with a guy that's not hitting and then have him compile on it. And they want him just to get his head on straight. But I think some of these guys were because Baltimore signed one a few years ago that never came back up. And I know they wanted to just avoid this at all costs. So. We'll see what happens with him. His contract was a lot lower than I thought it was going to be, and I think that everyone projected it was going to be as well. Uh, I've got uh, unrelated um, MLB trade rumors right now. Uh, George Springer has multiple offers in hand north of $100 million. of course, by uh, John Heyman uh, reporting <laughs> this. And apparently uh, a lot of those... Um, Offers are, are well short of what he's asking for. Um, hmm. Actually, it says right here uh, the Springer camp is still s- seeking uh, more than $150 million in guaranteed money. So $150 would be six years at $25 million. And I don't think he's more than a, a $25 million a year annual guy. And, and he certainly won't be on the back end of that deal. So it sounds like a lot of those offers might be in the four to five million dollar a year range, which might play to the Mets favor. Yeah. I'm surprised he's asking for that much. Um, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. It seems like a lot of these guys are shooting their shot right now just to see if they can land that big contract. But yeah, uh, hopefully these teams are smart enough to realize George Springer for six years at 25 plus is not a good investment. Um, I think teams want to keep him on a four four year leash, something like that, um, because he's what thirty one, thirty two, something like that. But he plays like a thirty six year old, so <laughs> you know they're, they're not going to want to give him six plus years. Um, so I'm I'm curious to see if he comes down from that number at all, or for at least keeps the number the same, but is willing to do less years. Yeah, you know, a guy like Bauer could possibly get away with a one year deal and then let the market reset next winter. The The CBA, you know, could complicate the whole 2022 season, but assuming it's a normal year, um, you know, he could potentially, you know, go to Atlanta, for instance, or a team that's likely to win a championship and just take that one-year deal. Springer at, you know, 31 can't really do that, I don't think. You know, because no, he's got to get the bag. He's got to get yeah, it now. Exactly. I mean, the guy's a walking injury concern. I, I want no part of George Springer. Like all last year, it was like, oh, the Sox are gonna get him. The Sox are yeah. gonna get him. Now it's like, thank God that's kind of fizzled out a little bit because that would have been terrible. Honestly, it, it would have been such a disaster. It would have been one good year, then like four years of waiting for Dick Fire. Like, oh, hey, only 120 million left. And we talk about Marcelo Osuna, and I don't know that Osuna's going to even get much more than 100, you know. Maybe he gets a fifth year in the 125 range, but 
Um, you know, if both contracts were comparable, I mean, we're taking Osuna all day, every day. He is, he's getting so screwed over with the hesitation by the league to tell the teams if there's going to be a DH or not. He can't sign right now. He just can't. Unless he gets a ridiculous offer, he's got to wait until there's 15 other suitors because, you know, that that's huge. It's half the league could potentially use his services. And there are teams that absolutely could use him uh, in the NL and would love to have him back. Damn. I mean, I bet Atlanta would resign him in a heartbeat if they know they could just send him in the dugout every day and just tell him to stand up every you know four times a game to go swing a bat. Yeah. He's, he's a butcher in the field. So that he's really getting hurt by that. It's unbelievable. Like what, what do you want a gold glove a couple, years ago. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how he must have he must have been much more slender and must have been able to move a lot better yeah because no way yeah no it's like I would never I like that's the last case scenario <laughs> I ever want now yeah well uh that's about all I had uh anything you guys uh want to throw out there before we wrap um, we are seven days away from Sugano's decision. That's on the seventh. So probably by the next time we're potting, uh, we'll know whether to be ecstatic or to be, well, he's probably got a lot of innings on the, that arm anyways. <laughs> and just <laughs> hoping he blows up in Toronto or wherever he goes. Yeah, my 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 last thought is uh, there's a lot of Hall of Fame talk. A lot of Hall of Fame ballots are being released. If you are a Red Sox fan that wants to see Ortiz get in, you better hope Gary Sheffield gets in because those two, when you look at their numbers, are pretty similar. And they're both, you know, quote-unquote steroid guys. So if you want Ortiz to get in, you better hope Sheffield gets in. Is Bonds and Clemens, I haven't been following it. I They were they were kind of pulling at about 69% with several ballots still unrevealed. Are, are they projected to get in or or still miss? Um, I think from what I last saw, Clemens has a better shot. I think he eclipsed 70. So okay. I, I don't think Bonds, Bonds, I don't think is going to get in. Okay. But Clemens might have a shot this time. Yeah. What is it, 75? You have to get 75, yeah. I hope it doesn't so. happen. I, I'm in the extreme minority with the steroid guys. But, um, you know, and... and I mean, both guys are, are douchebags, you know, they both lied through their teeth, you know, and, and just were the furthest thing from graceful, uh, you know, in, in the fallout from the, the Mitchell report in 2008. Um, so anyway, that, that's where I stand. So no one's going to laugh harder than me when they don't get in. Um, <laughs> but we'll see. And yeah. Ortiz seems to get a free pass from everybody, you know, in the media. <laughs> so he, oh, he yeah. has, but I think that's all going to come back up. You know, the yeah. New York media is going to be like, ah! yeah, just wait. So I think because Ortiz, it's it's next year, right? Next yeah. year is his first year he can get on. Yeah. Has it really been five years? Because oh. he retired in 2016. Whoa. So, yeah. So <laughs> next year when his name pops up on the ballot, watch out that that stuff will all come creeping back up. It's going to take him several years if he gets there. Yeah. If he yeah. doesn't get it, it's going to be a while. Yeah. Yeah. He won't, he won't get in right away for sure. And the DH factor as well. I mean, right. Yeah. What happened with Martinez? 
True. Yeah, it took him all the way to the end, I think, right? His last year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was a final year guy, yeah. Yeah, just like Jim Rice even. Yeah, well, all right, guys, good show. Good to come on here. Uh, I got some tinkering to do because uh, new platform, kind of hoping for the best there, but uh, we'll see. Hopefully we'll get ranked on Chartable with those other podcasts and kind of flex our muscles a little bit, you know. I yeah, think absolutely. I think we're going to make a run for it. And last time, for those uh, still with us, we do have a YouTube channel up. Just search Benny and the Bets podcast and uh should pop right up. Brad Chandler is uh, basically the host of that, and we've been rotating, you know, hosts in and out. So, um, you know, kind of a, a fun little format that we've started. So... All right, guys, have uh, have a good night, and we'll be back as soon as something develops. All right, good night, guys. All right, see you later. Episode 239? I never remember. I never remember. I always try to get it, and then I tell you guys, I never remember. I, I don't know what episode it is, but I will in two seconds. 239 in the books. Not a ton of Red Sox talk this episode, but some, you know, some high-profile MLB talk. And, uh, you know, at this point in the winter, any baseball talk is good talk. So we hope you enjoyed it. And, uh Probably be back at some point next week to discuss whatever else has gone down and uh, probably crank out some some YouTube content in the meantime. So uh, everybody have a good New Year's weekend. Take care.